0: Thank you so much for that warm welcome. Very much appreciated. Let me just have a quick show of hands um, here and in Cafe Church, or if you're on your own on the web, put your own hand up as well. If you've enjoyed and found this well-being series to be helpful, yeah, almost every hand in the place. Thank you. Put your hands up. That, that's uh, warmed my heart because that's exactly where I am. Uh, over the last, uh, for the benefit of those who are joining us for the first time, uh, over the last uh, seven weeks, we have been looking at. Uh, God's plan for our well being, and in examining that kind of idea in a number of different areas, you you know them, I'm sure, so shout them out with me there's physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, vocational, and last week, financial well being. And uh, if you're like me, and if you're like the people that uh, are in the small group that I've been part of during this season, I know that week by week there's been impact and there's been challenge and there's been encouragement to uh, grow in this whole area of uh, uh, help letting God come and, as it were, create and pour well-being into our lives. Now, of course, we have to respond to that and we have to do some things in our lives that uh, represent that well-being. Uh, That's why I've chosen for my title today uh, three uh, habits that are going to maximise your well-being. Uh, We're going to start by... Uh, picking up again the story of Elijah. He has been the central character week by week in this story. And again, for the benefit of those who are joining us for the first time, any guests that are here, uh, we have just looked at different aspects of his story and how his life interacted with the very presence of God who was with him at all different stages in his life's journey. Um, but what we see in uh, Elijah's life, amongst other things, is uh, a number of habits that were essentially in his life, which uh, facilitated this capacity for God to be able to speak to him. You see a little pattern, this what I'm going to point out to you, that God speaks to him, that he listens and he responds, and he ends up in an adventure. Amazing. Anybody want an adventure? I don't know what you're thinking when you think the word adventure. Are you thinking get me out of the jungle or whatever it's called? Are you thinking that? Are you thinking one of those adventure holidays where you go uh, across the desert on a three-legged camel called Humphrey? Um, Just, uh, you know, that is an adventure. But whatever your idea of adventure might be right now, it has no comparison to the adventure that God has planned for your life. That uh, when you're in a position that you can hear God when you're in a position you want to respond to him and say yes to him which is what I'm going to propose to you in a moment or two you open your whole life up to being a life of adventure that's what I found, I'm going to tell you a little bit of my story as we go through here too, but first let me just go back to Elijah and a few verses just that you might want to jot down and you can look at uh, in your own time or you can follow there on the app that illustrate this kind of relationship this two way relationship which is I believe at the core of well-being. You see actually you read about well-being everywhere, don't you? It's everywhere around. You can't go to the magazine rack and there's magazines everywhere, there's books about it, there's uh, tweeting and all sorts of stuff. This well-being is everywhere. But I want to propose to you today that if you want to take the strength of the last seven weeks and see it maximized in your life, first and foremost we have to recognize that it's a two-way relationship with God and in Jesus Christ that facilitates that well-being. You can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. Yes, I can make some changes, but the massive uh, energy that's required, you know, to change you as well as me, comes from this living relationship that we have with God. Let me illustrate it, as I say, from Elijah. Uh, We know the story of Elijah, those have been tracking it. Um, He has been to the king, and he's proclaimed an up coming drought it's going to last for years and then shortly after that we read this the word of the Lord came to Elijah leave here turn eastwards and hide in the Ketheth ravine east of the Jordan so he gets some directions and two verses later we see his response to that he did what the Lord had told him so the word came to uh, uh, Elijah. We don't know if it was an audible word or whether it was like an impression on his heart, but what we do know is that God came close to him, communicated with him somehow, and he responded with, I, I would say, eagerness. A few chapters on, a few verses on, in fact, the word of the Lord came to him, that's Elijah, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. And in verse 10 of 1 Kings 17, so he went. Three little simple words, so he went. Three years later, you're getting the gist, you can read this in your own time. Go and present yourself to the king, says God, and I will send rain on the land. And so Elijah went. And the fourth example is just as exciting. Uh, This was uh, years later. Uh, God comes to Elijah. He's on the mountain, like fairly despairing, to be honest, at this moment. And he says, "Eh, Elijah, what are you doing here? Go out onto the mountain uh, before me and I will meet you. Uh, And the Bible doesn't have to say he did it because the next scene is Elijah is out on the mountain waiting to hear from God himself. Now, Elijah was a man, a person just like you and I, He had, as we've heard over the weeks, highs and lows in his life. When we've been thinking about those six different areas of our lives, we've been following, we've been imagining them, haven't we, as kind of like dials, or gauges that go from red, amber, through green. And week by week, we've been seeing how can we get our dial, as it were, I think going green is that way, isn't it, Uh, from where you're looking. But we're moving from red into amber through to green. Elijah, at times, had all of his dials on absolute dead read nothing was happening for him but in out of this relationship with God out of God directing him he was able to see all his dials move up and so out of this story I just want to say point out two kind of uh, principles I suppose and then three quick habits that will help us in our well-being is that okay you with me so far Brilliant, excellent, good. So number one principle that uh, comes out of the story, not just of that I've been talking about today, but over these seven weeks that we've had before, is number one, that God is for us. As opposed to being against us. God is for us. We celebrate today the revelation that has opened us up week by week to the fact that God is with us. That's a comforting thing. It's a startling thing. It's an encouraging thing. It moves us on in our life. That God is on our side and wants us to be in a place of well-being. That's amazing, isn't it, when you think of it? The creator of the whole universe, you think he's got enough to think about, actually thinks about you and your well-being. And he's acting for you so that you can get weller as it were (laughs) whatever your position in life is right now whether you feel very well and all your dials are on green or whether you feel uh, it's not going too well and all your dials are kind of amber going red or somewhere in between here is the truth that God is for you God wants to help you move forward in all these other areas in your life. This, after all the series, has been called God's plan for your well-being. Not your plan for your well-being, but God's plan for your well-being. He is with you. Elijah saw that in every aspect of the story. He saw amazing, miraculous things happen. But when he was down, God came close. When he was being victorious on Mount Carmel, God was close to him. Wherever we are, we can have that deep assurance In our life, that God is for us. That's going to create a habit in a a moment or two. Now, we might not be able to understand that right now because of things that are going on in our life, but it's a declaration that we can make. Bill Johnson, in his book, God is Good, puts it like this, and I found this quite helpful. He said, God is good and he is a perfect father. His goodness is beyond our ability to comprehend, but not our ability to experience. Our hearts will take us where our heads can't fit. Understanding is vital, but it often comes through experiencing God. So we can think about all of this, but it's a heart thing, isn't it? To know that God is deep down inside us. We know that God is for us. God is for you. This transforms well-being from a series of helpful twists. And then we said twitters <laughs> or, or things on Facebook or books that you read. It transforms it from all of that to being something that is eternally changing your life. It can change your life and mine in incredible and powerful ways to know that we have the interest of God, the presence of God, and the power of God alongside us. If we call him close, he's alongside us and he is for us. How can I be so confident about that? Well, it's my own experience for one, but I can be confident because the Bible tells us time and time again that God is good and all good things come from him. So James chapter 1 verse 17, for example, says this, whatever is good and perfect, and I would want to add whole and well-being complete, is a gift coming down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. He is the source of our well-being. I mean, listen to some of these other truths that come through from Scripture. And if nothing else lands in this whole seven or eight week series, which is not true, but the things that have landed, let these things echo in your heart as you take steps in your well-being over these next week. That he alone, God alone, is the source of your well-being. He is the God, the Bible tells us, who gives strength to the weak. If you're weak, he gives you strength. He is the God who promises never to leave you or abandon you. He is the God who promises to walk with you through trials so that you won't be consumed by them. He is, I need an amen on some of these, okay? I'm just alerting you to this fact. These these are amazing facts. He is the God who promises to walk with you through trials so that you won't be consumed. Give me an amen for that. Okay, thank you. He is the God who promises to open the floodgates of heaven over your life to provide for you and those. that you love to meet all your needs from his riches in heaven. Amen. He is the God who forgives you everything you've ever done wrong and gives you the capacity to forgive others who have wronged you. Amen. It was Jesus who said these words, I have come that you might have life and life is in all its fullness. God is for you. So for you that he sent Jesus Christ to make it possible that we have the power in our lives to execute the changes we want to do. We're not trying to do it ourselves. Forgive us, Father, when we try to do that. We are dependent on you. You are the God, the God of peace. Five times in the New Testament, God is described as the God of peace peace, shalom, equals well-being. He is the God of peace, the God of shalom, the God of well-being. That's why it makes such a difference that God is with you because you're not having to do all of this on your own. Come on, yeah, let's just praise our heavenly Father. For all of us, this is really life-changing. It completely transforms our lives to know that God is with us, he's present with us, he's powerful, and he's leading us through. So that's the first thing, God is with you. The second thing, I think, which is a principle we can take out of here, is um, to position yourself so that your heart can say yes to him. So put it this way, let your heart say yes to God. Okay, now let me explain what I mean by that. Throughout the story of Elijah, we see this interplay between how God calls him uh, tells him to go various places and Elijah says, he, doesn't, he says yes, he, he, he goes and, and does those things. Um, clearly, he has a habit of putting himself in a position where he can hear from God, obviously. I don't know if you've ever been in a position where you've been talking to someone, uh, I don't know, I'm not going to name any names here, but you've been talking to someone, you've been telling them something that you think is quite important, then they turn around and you discover that they've been posting a picture of their dinner on Facebook, um, or that they have been uh, you know, tweeting something, or they have been doing some other really important thing, watching you know videos of kittens on YouTube or something like that, uh, and haven't actually been listening to what you've been saying. Ever been in that position? Okay, as the person who does that with you, you just want to put your hand on their shoulder and pray for them that they'll be released <laughs> from that. You see, it's so easy as believers. I learned, I, I learned this in the first few weeks that I became a Christian, that it's actually possible to say yes to Jesus and to follow him, but not be a man or a woman who continually says yes to him, because I haven't put myself in a position to hear from him. And so I can go through my whole Christian life. You could go through your whole Christian life thinking, this is it but actually God has got so much more for you because the adventure he has got planned for you requires you to listen to him and also to say yes to him. I remember in my teenage years, I became a Christian when I was about 17. Um, I went along to a Christian musical, unbelievable. Okay, I know that sounds like an oxymoron, but uh, some friends took me to this uh, Christian musical, uh, and it was kind of way out there, and I hardly understood a thing that was going on because I was pretty new to the faith. But honestly, one song that was sung there stuck in my mind. That This is nearly 40 years ago. It stuck in my mind and because it triggered something in my my life. Now, if you come to second service, I'll sing it to you. Um, <laughs> This service, I'm just going to recite the words, and it was it was it was the musical was about the acts of the apostles and all the characters in there, and one character was Philip the evangelist, and Philip the evangelist came up centre stage and he he sang words like this. He said, "I would rather have stayed in Samaria. I was having a wonderful time. The lame man walked, the dumb man talked, the criminal gave up crime. But I promised the Holy Spirit that when the Spirit." said, go, I would go, something like that. Now, again, that, that stuck in my mind nearly 40 years. And Why is that? Because something happened in that moment when I heard that. I heard God say to me so clearly, not in an audible voice, but right to my spirit, will you be, um, I was a boy then, will you be a young man, will you be a man who says yes to me? And I honestly, right there in the middle of all that musical, it was all going on full scale. It's quite a long song. I said, Jesus, if you ever tell me to do anything, I'm going to say yes to you. And I honestly have tried to live by that the whole of my Christian life because it transforms what God can do for you. You allow God the capacity to come close to you and to change the things that he wants to change. Now, let me illustrate to you uh, from a, a very recent thing that's happened here. Uh, This is my very secret book of journaling. Uh, I'm not a brilliant journalist, but I I have been recently uh, writing a lot. I'm going to hold it up like that so that you can actually see it and it's in here. But I'm just going to let you know, um, because i poured out my heart in here a a few times. Now, here is something that happened on the 16th of September. You might recall that that, uh, this year, that was the beginning of a prayer season here at Kingsgate. Many of you took part in that. Uh, Within 30 seconds of starting my prayers on the morning of the 16th of September, I sent heard, if you like, from God that uh, this is what I wrote down. In my prayer this morning, my heart was drawn by the Spirit to focus on the Lewis revival which I'd heard of, but I had no idea, of which I know very little, God identified that it's important and that I should look into it. So uh, you might know everything about the Lewis revival. I have to say I'd heard about it, but I knew nothing about it. I actually thought it had happened in the 1700s or something like that. Uh, I downloaded a book on my Kindle, started to read about the Lewis revival. Uh, and for those of you who have no idea what that means, what happened, it turned out, in 1949, through to 1952, that on the island of Lewis, which is as far away as you can get from here in the northwest of Scotland, um, there was an amazing presence of God kind of moment that lasted for three years, and in which hundreds and hundreds of young people and older people recognized their need of God and came to him. And the churches, which had been kind of struggling at the time on the island, were literally filled with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who wanted to know more about God. So much so that they brought evangelists across from the mainland to try and help to disciple and look after all these people. And as I started reading, I was thinking, wow, that is amazing. A few days later, again, I've got time to go into all the details. I'll write it down sometime and you can read it. But uh, very quickly, uh, what happened was I felt very strongly from God that I should go. And I think, well, I don't know how I'll manage that. Practically, it's not really that possible. But cut a long story short, um, lots of little pointers similar to, again, God says this. I was doing that and following through on what I thought he was saying, trying to say yes to everything. uh, So that literally a month later, I was able to write in my journal, the 17th of October, so literally a month later, I was on the train when I wrote this to Edinburgh, on my way to visit the island of Lewis. And that was amazing. I was expecting God to take me on an adventure. It was an adventure quite, it was an amazing adventure uh, as it turned out. Uh, I had to endure some of the ugliest places in Britain. There's one. Um, (laughs) What a view. This is Loch uh, and this is a geography lesson now, which is one hour north of Ullapool, uh, Just round the corner from there, literally, is where my great 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 grandparents were born and, and married. So I visited there. Thank, uh, thank you to, uh, yeah, I found out about that and visited there. Uh, the next uh, day, I got a ferry across from the mainland of Scotland, uh, west to the island of Lewis and the next day after that I found myself in Bar Vass Parish Church uh, which you can see here uh, and it looks bleak because it is bleak, it looks sparse. Uh, because it is sparse, the houses are like miles apart. This little church is uh, literally uh, uh, in the middle of nowhere. The population's a few hundred round and about uh, that church. But that church there was significant because 70 years ago, almost to the weekend, was when uh, this kind of revival thing, this awakening of God's people, started to happen. I was there on the Sunday afternoon. They had a service at 12, which was great. Uh, I was able to worship with them. Uh, it was. Uh, it was amazing, and uh, hear God speak to my heart again. So then, by four o'clock in that afternoon, I'm thinking, "Well, is that it? That's why I've spent all this money and all this time to get up here." I thought, "God, you've got more for me. What is it you want to do? I want to say yes to everything you want to." To have in my life. I mean, really, I could read out my journal. That's literally what I was writing down. So anyway, I got to uh, four or five o'clock on the Sunday afternoon and and a lot of things that I wrote down in my journal, I'm not going to read to you. I had a sense from God. I I could hear God speaking to me saying, I want you to do this and that the next thing, Get ready because tomorrow is going to be an adventure day and I want you to get ready, do a number of things, but at two o'clock tomorrow, I want you to go out on a walk. Like, and this is the middle of nowhere, so 2 o'clock, I'm um, ready. So by half past 1, I was ready to go. The next day, I was saying, yes, let's see what happens. Uh, it was horizontal rain it was a storm, uh, you know, the, we're in the northern Atlantic there, it is absolutely freezing, bucketing of rain, fortunately I had all the proper storm gear and all the rest of it, and I'm saying, well, here we go, I'm, I'm following you, you're saying yes, half past one, I'm ready to go, I heard God say to me, no, not half past one, two o'clock, I said, so I sat back down with all this gear on, sweating away for, <laughs> uh, for half an hour, I thought, well, okay, two o'clock, I know this sounds a bit weird to some people, but it was really close to my heart that God was saying these things, so at two o'clock, bang on, I set out, I went for a walk, and again, another long story short, that started a trail of coincidences, some might, pe- people might call it, but amazing things to me that drew me so that eventually, by seven o'clock that evening, I was in the home of a man who was converted at the 1949 Lewis revival. He was 19 when he gave his life to Christ, so he's an 89 year old man. I had bumped into people. Uh, If I had left at half past one, it wouldn't have worked. If I'd left at five past two, it wouldn't have worked. I, I, I bumped into this guy who connected me. He was walking out of his house. I was walking up the street in the middle of nowhere when we bumped into each other, literally and had this conversation, talked about the revival, said why I was up there. He said, I know the guy who lives down there, do you want to meet him? And all of this kind of stuff, it's amazing. So here's a picture now of me in the home of a man called Donald Smith. Who was uh, saved? Now, I can't tell you what my heart was doing at this moment. I'd been with him for an hour and a half. He'd been telling me all about what was going on in 1949, 50, 51, 52, how his life had been totally changed, uh, changed course. His father was heavily involved. He was was an elder in the church at at Barvast there. it was, a, it was amazing. Uh, then it, we were kind of an hour and a half of talking. I felt I'd taken up enough of the guy's talk, uh, time rather. Uh, I, I just said, will you pray for me? And he said, yeah, sure. So uh, uh, he pointed to me to kneel down in his front room. So I'm kneeling down in his front room, holding his hands like that, and he prays solid for half an hour. Okay, <laughs> uh, and I have to tell you, as someone who doesn't, I, I need to kneel down more for prayer, I'll tell you. Do you know when you kneel down to a cupboard to get something out and your leg goes, oh, ah, I had that for half an hour, okay, as he was praying for me. But something was happening in my spirit. I knew deep down in my spirit that God was doing something for me. He prayed for me. He prayed for you. He prayed for Kingsgate and everybody connected with Kingsgate. That the God of all graciousness, the God of all love would fill us, fill me, fill you. Fill all of us with a deep sense of his plan and his purpose for our lives. He was praying for you, 27th of October. Now, what's all this got to do with well-being? It's exactly to do with it because when you put yourself in a position, I'm not lifting me up here, I'm just lifting this principle up, that when you put yourself in a position to hear from God and you're in a position where you will say yes to what he guides you to in your life, he will lead you on incredible adventures. Now, on this particular adventure, yeah, bless his name. <clears throat> I have to say that Heather, my wife and I, Heather, we have been people who have been trying to say yes all of our Christian life, all of our married life to Jesus. We have done all crazy things, kinds of things and haven't seen any kind of, well, that was, that was all about this particular occasion because I've got a habit of saying yes to God. I was in a position to be able to hear from him and be blessed and be encouraged. And something has changed in my heart from that moment. The final words that Donald Smith said to me was, he said, for 24 years, I've been praying a verse and I want you to pray. It was like, uh, with re- w- thinking back on it now, I felt as if the kind of, you know, like in uh, running races, you pass on, what do you call it, the baton? The baton was kind of passing me to pray this. Here's the prayer. It was in, it's out of Habakkuk chapter 3 Verse 2. It's an amazing prayer. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known, in wrath, remember mercy. Wow, what a prayer. You think, what's that about? That is about the awakening that God is going to bring on our individual lives if we're prepared to listen to him, if we're prepared to say yes to him, we're prepared to go on the adventure that he's calling us on. I'm so excited for you. I really am. For all of you who have followed through on this well-being series, you've been putting things in place. You've been thinking about ideas and how you can move forward in your life. I'm so excited that if you become a man or a woman, or remain a man or a woman, or at a new level of being a man or a woman who's prepared to say yes to Jesus, you're in for a load of surprises, a load of encouragements, a load of adventures. So all of that boils down to three habits, and why habits are important, um, there's a little video going out for the life groups this week, I'll talk some more about this, but why habits are important is for this one fact, that your aspirations to change are overridden by the habits in your life, So you might want to be fitter, but if you eat donuts, that's your habit, it's not going to work. You might want to be financially in a better well-being place, but if you've got poor spending habits, that's your habits, they're going to override them. What has to happen in our lives is that our habits have to line up with our aspirations. I don't know what habits you have to change. You might know them. I'll pray for that in a minute or two, or you talk about it in group this week. But I know that there are three habits I want to encourage you first and foremost to have in your life, and here they are. Habit number one, declare God's goodness. Even if you don't feel like it, get up in the morning and just say those words, God, you are good. I don't know what's going on in my life right now. It could be good or it could be bad, anywhere in between. Just make a habit of declaring, God, you are good. It's going to change everything in your life. It doesn't necessarily change the circumstances, but it changes your approach to life. Number one, declare, God, you are good. Habit number two, position yourself to hear God. Make a habit of positioning yourself to hear God. And what I mean by that is uh, uh, prayer. Uh, and what I mean by that is reading the Bible. What I mean by that is talking with other Christians, talking about what do you think that God wants to do in my life. Just position yourself to be able to hear God. Take this challenge to sit for five minutes in quiet and just let God speak to you. Then you can check up with other believers that it's a sensible thing to do. But just position yourself to be able to hear from God. And habit number three, please, please, please be someone Who lives to say yes to God. Be someone who lives to say yes to God. That's the doorway to the whole adventure that God has planned for you. And so in a second or two, I want to pray for us. I want to pray for anybody here who is not yet a Christian. You're thinking, well, I get all the well-being thing. I've been following it through for some weeks now, but Christ is not at the center of your life. So effectively, you're trying to do it yourself. I just want to introduce you to Jesus who, by his power and by his presence, is going to make the change you want in your life quite possible. For others of us, you may have been Christians for many months, many years, and you find that you're just going through the motions. Your life has not been one of adventure. And by adventure, I don't mean traveling to the outer Hebrides. That's easy. But saying yes to Jesus in your life as an adventure Maybe you've just never even thought about that before. Well, I just want to pray that that's something will awaken in you today. That from this moment on, from today, this will be a a milestone moment that today you'll become a person who wants to say yes to Jesus. Maybe you've been a believer for years and years or weeks and weeks and you've already positioned yourself. Yeah, I want to listen to God. I want to do what He, he wants to say. Well, I want to pray for you in a moment or two that God will lead you in places which will totally surprise you and it will bless you And encourage you. So let me just pray for us now. um, As I end this message. Father God I thank you. First and foremost. Because it's true. That you're for us. That you're good. That you're kind. You're open handed and generous to us your children. Thank you for that. Father God we position ourselves to be men and women and young people who want to listen to you, to hear your voice into our daily lives. And if we hear your voice from this moment, we recommit or commit for the first time to be men and women and young people who say yes to your plans and your purposes. Amen.